And the, the, the cool thing is, you know, during, during those low points, I really realized that it's just not me. I don't have to prove a thing. Uh, Christ already showed my worth when he died on the cross for me. I'm Rush Witt, and you're listening to Straight to the Heart, a podcast from New Growth Press. Each episode includes thought-provoking conversations with leading Christian writers and thinkers. We hear who they are, what they believe, how they approach their work in ministry, and the moments and people who have changed their lives. In Straight to the Heart, we go beyond the books to connect with the remarkable people behind them. In this bonus episode of season two, I talk with Joe Hawks, the illustrator behind the incredible books you know as the Good News for Little Hearts series. Of course, you know about these books like Buster's Ears Trip Him Up, Zoe's Hiding Place, Tori Comes Out of Her Shell, and others. They're full of biblical wisdom for problems kids feel, the same problems adults feel too. Today, Joe tells me his personal story of hardship and perseverance and the Lord's providence to reach his dream of using his gift of illustration. And I cannot overstate how wildly talented Joe actually is. You can see his work right now on his Instagram account, at Joe Hawks, while you hear our rich and encouraging conversation. If you, like us, feel the struggle to understand your worth to the Lord, and you feel a strong desire to be used by Him, but aren't sure how it will all work out, this one's for you. This is Straight to the Heart. Let me tell you, I really enjoy talking to people who are creative, and I it's not hard for me to see when someone's creative, especially when it's someone like you, because oh. it's just, that's just who you are, you know? And yeah. it really is such an intriguing thing, you know, because of the good news for little heart series. And I follow you on Instagram and see your illustrations on there, which are amazing. But mm. just tell me a little bit about your life and family, where you are and okay. what life is like for you. Uh, the basics. Um, my wife and I met at Dork College, a Christian college in Sioux Center, Iowa, um, and uh, we are raising four beautiful kids together uh, here in uh, a small Iowa town called Pella. Uh, Pella is known for its Dutch heritage, and we happen to be um, both of Dutch ancestry. And um, and so we we don our wooden shoes and Dutch costumes every spring. <laughs> uh, God's been good to us. He he took a a girl from um, the suburbs of Chicago and and a and a boy from the sticks and uh, and was able to make something work where <laughs> where we balance each other out a lot. So yeah, opposites they always say opposites attract. Uh, I guess there's oh, some man. truth some truth yeah. there. I'm an example of that. Uh, she was on math team in high school, and I was as as far from on math team as one could possibly be. What was your experience growing up in terms of becoming or growing into your artistic gifting and illustrating when you were a kid and then forward, you know, into adulthood? So I grew up on a farm, and... Um, this was in the midst of the farm crisis of the 80s and 90s. Uh, many farms were going bankrupt all over. And so it was actually a fairly high stress environment, certainly for my parents. And my parents protected. Um, I have a brother and sister and myself. They protected us from 
a lot of the stress that was going on, but there was this constant danger that the farm was going to be snatched up. And um, in that environment, dad responded to that by trying to outwork the the pressure. And so he was a very, very hard worker. Um, and I don't know how he was able to sustain that level of hard work, um, you know, 16 hour days um, for years. Um, he ended up getting a job in the factory, but he was also still continuing to farm um, full time. And, uh, and so um, <laughs> you, you plunk a, a kid who is just innately creative and a dreamer in into that situation. And it, it was hard. Um, I had, a um, another family member who I, I won't name, but, um, someone who would come out every so often and, um, they, they saw how hard my dad was working and, and the rest of the family. And I was, I was just a little kid at this time, but, um, this family members saw how little I was contributing to the farm um, and how little urgency I seemed to to uh, be living with. And uh, he had a nickname for me and, and that nickname was Worthless. Oh, and in fact, oh. to this day, I don't think I've heard that person call me by name. Really? Uh, it was always Worthless. And I, oh. you know, he said it in a joking way, but man, oh man, that, that hit me hard. And, um, and I, I really kind of felt that way. I felt like I wasn't contributing to, to the farm. I, I would do my chores and I, I would help out um, like a clumsy little kid would help out. Uh, but I would also make a lot of mistakes. Like um, when I was a little bit older, I would do things like drive the tractor into the side of the barn. Um, I, I put the, the skid steer into the ditch. Um, my the hay rows were always crooked. So I was a, about as honestly in, in terms of monetary value as worthless a farm kid as you could have. I did, I didn't, I wasn't a good R return on investment. Um, I really struggled early on with identity and, and worth. I had this, um, ultra hardworking dad, Fortunately, my parents made it very clear that they they loved me and cared for me, even with my peculiarities. Um, and uh, and and I, I had a place there. But that that title of worthless really haunted me. And uh, I went into school even as early as like first or second grade. I was already thinking, am I worthless? Uh, and and so it put me on the search for something that would prove to myself, to my family, to the world that, that I have some sort of worth. Uh, I became pretty fixated on that. And, um, fortunately there are great opportunities in school to kind of test different things out. And one of those things that came along was came, uh, took the form of a, a native American village diorama, (laughs) It, it, I was assigned to the Sioux tribe and uh, 
and so I, I looked around and I noticed my classmates were all making little, um, little villages that were populated with like pipe cleaner people or, you know, kind of stick figures cut out of construction paper. And then I looked at my, my own village and it had, um, uh, really, um, dramatic, uh, imagery with, um, natives working in the village and, and they had, uh, windswept raven black hair and, and intricate beadwork and, and, uh, and, and moccasins. Um, and I, I noticed that, you know, maybe I don't think at this point talent was what differentiated me, but it was certainly just love, love of visuals and attention to detail. And, um, and that that was the spark, that silly little Native, Native American diorama that my partner ended up taking home. <laughs> so I don't have it. Uh, but that was that was what lit a fire and um, and kind of showed me, oh, man, maybe you do have something of value here that you can offer. The world and really through many of my grade school years, even though I was raised in the church and went to Christian school. My, my identity was wrapped up in kind of this idea of proving to the world that I, I am a great artist, um, which became kind of an idol, honestly. Um, but God, God can use even our, um, uh, misplaced priorities, I think, uh, to, to lead us into his path. And so, um, uh, yeah, so I, I had this plan. I, I was going to go to college and and uh, um, learn all the tricks I needed to to become a great artist, and then life would be simple. I I would be victorious. The New York Times would call me up and you know uh, interview me for these uh, these great things that I did, and um, that's not remotely how it turned out. Uh, and, uh, and I, I think that was, it was all part of God's plan. I really appreciate the grasp that you have on your story, because as you tell your own story, you tell it with a lot of insight into the things that were going on in your heart. And that really helps to clarify sort of how God developed you over those years. And, uh, it really does make for a great story. So after you, uh, you, uh, hatch this, uh, college plan, you're going to get out into the world and start using your gifts. Then what happened? The New York times didn't call. And so what, what did you do? So I, we graduated from college. We, we got married right after college and, um, I really, Oh my goodness, rush. I was so naive. Uh, I really thought that, um, I expected it to be easy. Um, but I, I didn't have a great portfolio yet. It, it had a lot of different art projects that I'd made in, in art college. And I didn't have anything that I could show agents or, or publishers yet. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't tightened up. And so I thought I would buy myself some time and start a mural painting business. Um, and actually, surprisingly, that was working out pretty well. Um, my wife um, was a substitute teacher. We moved back. Um, we lived on the back on the farm, actually, there was a little house that my grandma had once lived in. Uh, we lived back on the farm and, uh, 
and I started painting murals in homes and businesses and word got out and, and, um, and it, it was actually a pretty decent work. Um, and it, it was fulfilling artistically while also affording me time in the evenings uh, to develop my portfolio. And um, what year, what year was this? This was 2005. Okay. Uh, but uh, I couldn't put in as long hours as I once could. Um, my hands would kind of cramp up and it became harder and harder to climb ladders. I, I was getting very slowly and gradually sicker and I, I didn't know what was going on. And it, it came on so gradually that I didn't realize how bad it was getting um, to the point that I would, um, my body would just be, it be, it came to the point where my body was just desperate for sleep. And um, I would go to bed at 10 o'clock, sleep a full night. And then my body would want to sleep till 11 in the morning. And that's, that's no way to run a business. Um, and I just didn't know like, what, what is going on with me? Am am I just, am I lazy? It, it, am I, is this like an ADD thing? You know, I, I had no idea what was going on. Um, just that something was off and I was getting more and more forgetful. Uh, for example, I would leave I, I left my car in drive one time instead of park and, really? and I got out of the car and the car yeah, rolled kept away on driving up into our porch. And I spent a lot of time looking for stuff, misplacing things. Um, I was getting pretty sick and, uh, and over the course of a few months, um, I, um, realized, okay, th this is something that, it's not like just a mono or or a, a cold or something. Something is really up, and so we started going to different doctors, and and that was a whole story. I I won't go into that, but um, eventually we did find a doctor uh, who um, ran some tests and found that I had Lyme disease, and likely it was Lyme disease that I had acquired as a kid. And just kind of stayed dormant in my system and then came out in adulthood. Um, so I never had the bullseye rash or anything, but the, the blood work did eventually prove that I, I had Lyme disease. And it, it was, for whatever reason, very, very, very hard to treat. We, we had to do a, a lot of different um, trials of, of different drugs, um, heavy antibiotics. Uh, but the, these symptoms weren't going away. And we decided that, um, that there was no way, as long as I felt this way, um, old and achy and tired all the time and somewhat confused, there was no way that I could sustain, um, mural painting, let alone an illustration career, which is what my, my heart had been set on for so long. And, um, and so I, I went back to school. Fortunately, my college was incredibly gracious in allowing me to kind of tailor make an education degree and, uh, 
do it uh, via correspondence. Uh, in fact, a professor came out of retirement to to be my advisor and kind of help me cobble this degree together. And so I ended up with an, an art education degree uh, because I loved art and uh, and I I can talk about art all day long, even if my body is failing. And so um, we set that course and <clears throat> it, it was it was good to know that that, uh, you know, we still had this plan B, but it was also utter, utterly. Um, it, it felt like a real defeat. It felt like I was. Taking. My my dream, my hope for how I was going to prove to the world that I had worth and I was just going to light it on fire. And oh, man, we Katie and I both mourned that because we, we both knew how much this this goal of, of being an artist meant to me. And. Uh, and the crazy thing is, God still, e- even in spite of that attitude going into teaching, um, God still used that. And uh, just it 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 just shows how how great He is that He can take someone with such such a bad attitude. Are you looking for engaging and insightful children's books that tackle the ups and downs of their little lives with a biblical perspective? Then you should know about the Good News for Little Hearts series, a collection of honest and engaging stories which help children ages four through seven navigate various emotions and challenges through the lens of scripture. Troubles like anxiety, anger, failure, loneliness, ruling desires, feeling shy, wanting to hide, and more. Each book is edited by biblical counselors connected to the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation and illustrated by Joe Hawks. This means each book addresses these topics with clear and compassionate care for the souls of children. You can learn more about the Good News for Little Hearts series by visiting newgrowthpress.com. What were the big moments of success that came along eventually where you could see uh, making progress again or where your your dream of illustration has come together? So <clears throat> really, um, about mm, eight or nine years into teaching, I started to finally turn the corner. We found a doctor in Kansas City who really helped. Um, he was tenacious in trying out lots of different things uh, and finding just the right cocktail of um, of interventions and and drugs that that helped me supplements that that helped me um, make improvements. And so I started uh, I started drawing again, and it, it was almost like um, that moment when. Uh, it, it mentions in the Bible, Samson's hair started growing back. He was all defeated. But then then there's that little glimmer of hope. And, and for me, that was sketching. And every day I would sketch a little bit. Even if I had a, a busy uh, grading schedule, I would, I would try to sketch in the evenings. And um, I started posting those to Instagram. Um, 
built a little bit of a following there and uh, was getting encouragement there. And um, then, uh, um, let's see, a local author um, said, hey, do you want to try illustrating this book for me? And it it was wonderful because it gave me uh, the experience to learn the whole process. Um, it was a, a small project. And so, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that usually gets pushed off to other people uh, fell on my shoulders. Like um, these days I, I illustrate a book and I, I'm just making the pictures and somebody else does all the design and the text and the sometimes even the cover. Um, but in this case, my wife and I kind of wore all, all of the hats for this project. And uh, so it, it was a great introduction to. Um, and, and so the, the book was a Chris Moose mystery. And it's about uh, little stuffed moose that come come alive in a, uh, a flower shop here in Pella. And it, it was a really safe way to get my feet wet in this. And uh, and of course, the author was so sweet to take a chance on somebody with no experience who also was a little bit sick. <laughs> and yeah, so um, that kind of gave me the confidence to put myself out there more. My wife um, is a writer. And so she was doing, um, she wrote s- some kids' books, some pieces of manuscripts that maybe we could. S- submit together to publishers uh, to try to um, get my name out and, and also hers. And, uh, and so we submitted together to a few publishers and, and got a lot of, you know, no's and maybes and some interest. Uh, but finally it was new growth press that came, came back and said, Hey, um, we, we like the manuscript that Katie wrote that Kate wrote, but um, maybe let's table that for now. But does this artist do any animal characters? And of course, my Instagram was jam-packed with animal characters that I'd been doing for years. And so um, that that was kind of the, the real opening to something that was more of a legit gig. And so my first, my first book to a wider audience was through New Growth Press. It was Zoe's Hiding Place. And Oh, it, it was just truly a dream come true. And I, I didn't care how many people would, would read it. I was just so excited to finally uh, have this opportunity to do something. And uh, even better, it was this um, uh, confluence of my faith and my artistry. Uh, so I had many reasons to um, to think this was a really special project. Yeah. Wow. I don't know this story till mm. now. I have not heard this story and I really love it because I think a lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. the just ch- enormous challenge it is in terms of writing or illustrating and even just making the right connection. Yeah, with someone. There are so many aspiring writers or illustrators out in the world and yes. they are doing what you're doing. They have certain outlets through social media, but mm-hmm. to find the right connection is, and I'm just, I'm putting myself in your you know, story and thinking about mm-hmm. how, 
you know, what that's, uh, some of those little moments for me, my little mm-hmm. moments have been like, and just the, the thrill of finally having some kind of break mm-hmm. is just enormous. What was it like in your house when you finally realized that this is a big traction point? This is the, the traction point that I've been looking for. What, what was it like? For the two of you. Yeah, it it was absolutely the two of us. Um, My wife has been an amazing, amazing partner through all this. Uh, Always so supportive. And uh, and we were utterly thrilled. We were thrilled. Um, And so in order to maybe the listeners don't know the whole process, but Oftentimes, in order to get an illustration job, they'll ask for a sample if you're not a known entity. And I certainly wasn't at that point. And so they asked for a sample. And I I worked my tail off on it. And I submitted it and waited. And they came back with, oh, um, it's indoors. Can you try outdoors? And so I submitted another sample. It's outdoors, but it feels a little dull or or um, not saturated enough. And so I made another and ended up making four samples before I finally got the job. And so it every single time it just kind of built up. It was, you know, like that that hill that you go up before that that first roller coaster drop. Um, so when when they finally said, OK, we we can we can work with this. Oh, it was just incredible. Yeah, elation. Yeah. So good. Good for you. Good for (laughs) you. you. I'm really happy to hear your story. Thank you. It makes me think of a question. Um, So as you were growing up with this feeling of, or this question of worth and worthlessness, and now fast forward, and you're really enjoying a lot of success and fruit to your mm-hmm. waiting and working. Are there still challenges that you feel maybe on a regular basis of feeling the need to prove yourself still? Mm. Or are there certain obstacles in your heart or mind that, that might hold you back? Do you have things like that still kind of going on? Or do you feel like you've kind of broken through? That's a good question. I, I would say my experience as a teacher and as and i think between lyme disease and teaching that whole passage of time was kind of a crucible that i had to go through in order to completely change my perspective so whereas before i really wanted to prove something. I really thought that um, I, I w- didn't have any worth unless I could show the world something amazing. Uh, a lot of insecurity and kind of messed up pride, self-focus in that. Uh, so through through those 12 years, um, I spent... I, so there was a passage of time where I was so sick 
that any moment that I wasn't teaching, I was wrapped up in a blanket um, that I, I would wrap myself up real tight like a mummy. Uh, and I would lay on the floor because that, that hard pressure of the floor would would help ease my aches. And I would. I would be my, my kids would would play cars on their kind of dead looking dad. <laughs> And it, it was it was just so pathetic. But um, through that time, I realized there there is the um, I there is no way that I can find my worth in artistry because it's very likely that this dream won't be realized. Uh, in fact, th there was a time where, uh, and you've, you've done counseling, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was a time when the only passage of the Bible that really gave me comfort was Psalm 88, which is the most depressing, hopeless Psalm. But that Psalm, I clung to that because that told me. Other people have been through this level of hopelessness, feeling zero hope, zero. But God has had people there, and he still used them. Um, and, and so that, that really kind of burned off that sense that I needed to prove something. And so it, it made me search for, okay, if if my contribution is very very tiny can god still use it so as a dad i i can't be a soccer coach but i sure can sit there and look at a book with a kid and have my arm wrapped around them and and they'll have more memories associated with books because we sit there and, and read a book together as a teacher I might not be able to walk around the classroom certain days, um, but I can still have positive interactions with kids. Um, I can still encourage the ones who are gifted and, and uh, help help grow ones that need need growth in one way or another. I can still use my words. Um, and so it, it was a real shift for me. And um and the, the the cool thing is, you know, during during those low points, I really realized that it's just not me. I don't have to prove a thing. Uh, Christ already showed my worth when He died on the cross for me, uh, and and it's written right there that you know He He sees us even when we're, you know, just a tiny tiny little thing inside our mama's tummies. Um, and so yeah, that. That experience, I think, was necessary so hard, but so necessary for me to grow uh, in my faith and, and get a sense of perspective. Um, I still have moments where the feelings of worthlessness haunt me. Um, but that, that passage of time really burned off a lot of that.
How do you help a child get to know someone they can't see and hear? In Who is Jesus, author Kate Hawks and illustrator Joe Hawks, my guest today, bring 40 word pictures of Jesus to life so children can get to know Jesus better. The Bible is filled with stories and symbols that point us to Jesus as the Savior, the only one who can bring us back to God. In Who is Jesus, Joe and Kate Hawks combine illustrations and deep thoughts simply shared to guide family devotions and encourage rich conversations about who Jesus is, why he came to earth, and how we can get to know him now. In this book, families will explore together the rich imagery of the Bible and learn about God's great love for his people through Jesus Christ, his son. Is your family looking for a book to enjoy together? Consider Who is Jesus? 40 Pictures to Share with Your Family. You can learn more about this book and many more by visiting newgrowthpress.com. Such a powerful perspective and immensely helpful to uh, to us. And your experience is, I'm sure, uniquely helpful to others who are struggling to uh, find their way uh, into and through their, you know, their own sense of gifting. And mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to uh, your maybe investment or advice to other illustrators, mm-hmm. what advice do you give to them or what advice would you give to yourself if you went back in a time machine to those early days of uh, just kind of uncertainty and trying to find your way in your illust- uh, illustrative gift? Hmm. What advice would I give? Um, uh, in, in the New Testament, when there are instructions for elders, they need to get their house in order first before they can minister to a wider audience. I think that applies here. As much as we, you know, had these dreams of doing these big things, that's all really good. But if we have if if we've alienated the the people that we would celebrate milestones with uh then it's it's a of no use um and so i i would tell any young illustrator get your house in order first um make sure that you are loving people well um don't make it all about you um be learn how to manage your time and your gift well. That's good. I would say that. Yeah, that's good. I'm really a process thinker, I've been told. So I like mm-hmm. to think about the process of things and I'm mm-hmm. sure other people do as well. And it's something that not many people have a chance to look into in terms of the process of an illustrator like mm-hmm. you. And so I wonder if you could briefly describe what your process is like. What's a day like for you or what's, you know, how do you go about fulfilling a, a project or plan? Uh, what's your creative process? Creative process. Uh I see sketching as a lifestyle. So um, that's kind of how I process the world. Uh, I'm wherever I go, I'm sketching in church. Um, when I, um, when we have intermission during our kids' plays, <laughs> I'm sketching. Uh, so my, my sketchbooks are just uh, big catalogs of observations. And, uh, and it's always been that way ever since uh, that, diorama um so when uh initially a 
publisher or a self-published author will um, furnish me with a um, a manuscript and I'll read through the manuscript and just dream. And that's my favorite part is just kind of uh, imagine it just it feels like a, a superpower to be able to create something just from your mind's eye. It is so empowering um, to, to make, to craft a world. And that's my favorite part of it. Um, so I'll, I'll start with a whole bunch of sketches as, and um, identify those, those moments that are especially evocative in the manuscript. And I'll s- sketch a lot of those out um, and make kind of a, eventually work toward making a dummy that I'll send to the, the client uh, for feedback, you know, is this the right direction? You know, are, are these visuals the right visuals to tell the story the best way? And then um, it's a lot of back and forth through the process. Uh, after they um, send me their feedback, I make more finished looking illustrations and and uh, back and forth. And and that's that's been one of the most delightful parts of it is um, having that synergy of of other people's creative input on, on the project. It, it always ends up better when it's a collaboration. And so, um, yeah, that, that's been one of the kind of the, the hidden things that I, I didn't anticipate was just how much joy I would find in, in collaboration. Yeah. When you have a dream of, uh, you know, you're dreaming up a world or an illustration for a book, in the end, how much, maybe a percentage, how much is the final result the same as your initial dream? Is it a big change to the end? Or do you tend to really stick to that picture and and you find what's in your mind becomes really close to verbatim out in the, in the finished work? Um, that's a, that's a really good question. I would say 90% is the same. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But I don't, I don't, it's weird. I, I don't, uh, I don't see the picture perfectly in my head, but I just have this feeling that this sounds so hokey, but it's just the truth. It, it feels like love, like infatuation, like, um so as as I'm working on an illustration I kind of follow that like that feeling of of this this feels right I'm I'm in love with this story and <laughs> That yeah, that makes no, that dumb, makes but... sense. It doesn't sound dumb at all. It makes a lot of sense. I've had some moments. I'm not an illustrator, but I've had some moments where you just you just know. I I don't know. Other other people might say it's a gut sense, yeah. or you just have this instinct of oh, I'm onto something. Oh, yeah. this is this is go this is going to work. Yeah, uh, and then it fuels your fuels your creative juices. So I understand yeah. what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for describing that. I'm really, yeah. I'm really intrigued by how, how that works. Yeah. And I'm really intrigued by how you think about illustrating and 
uh, what the, what that process is like. So, there's a potter down in Memphis named Eddie Effa, who um, I listened to him speak at uh, an event for Christian Creatives one time, and he talked about how whenever he throws a pot on the wheel, he's thinking about the people that will use that, and he's praying for them, and um, just kind of thinking um, that he is serving them up something beautiful. And man, I, I just, I love that posture of the artist isn't some um, brilliant genius. The artist is a servant caring for people with, with his own gifts. What a, what a healthy posture. Yeah. So a good question here. It's unique that as an illustrator, you have such a wonderful opportunity to work with your wife and really collaborate. And I wonder what that collaboration is like in, uh, in, let me say it a different way. Um, I'll just say the simple way. So I wonder what, what's that collaboration like between you? Uh, so my wife is Kate Hawks, and um, she was a teacher. She didn't really ever set out to be an author. Uh, it was kind of kind of funny. She uh, she was the one who first put the idea of my being a teacher into my head, and over time, I kind of put the idea of being an author into her head. Uh, so. Uh, We've we've always just clicked. Um, she she is very different from me. Uh, she thinks in an organized manner. Uh, she does she like math? She loves math. She <laughs> she sees the value of things like boundaries, which often feel kind of alien to me. Um, she is incredible incredibly wise and discerning. Um, and, and she's often two or three steps ahead of me in the thinking process. Uh, I, on the other hand, um, introduce some degree of, of chaos and um, spontaneity in, into her life. And, and so we really, we really help each other along. Um, in some ways. So when, uh, when I first wanted, I wanted so badly to get into illustration and she just saw a solution. Well, I'll just write you a book <laughs> to, uh, to illustrate simple as that. And so she, <laughs> so she did, she, she, um, she spent some time, um, during nap time when the kids were really, really small. Um, writing a book about giants that um, we haven't yet brought to a publisher, but um, and uh, and I illustrated it, and um, and then she got really excited about um, a Bible book um, that she could potentially write, and so she she wrote a few entries for that, um, a, a rhyming chronological. Um, book about the Bible. And um, that's what we submitted to a few publishers. 
originally when I was first getting my start. Uh, but yeah, she never, she never really started with the idea of being an established author. She started with the idea of helping her husband get um, his feet under him in his career. Uh, and that, that is so who she is. And I, Oh man, I, I admire that woman so much. She's always been um, uh, someone who kind of helps lift up. So, um, so the, yeah, we, um, in terms of process day to day, she's kind of my in-house art director. Uh, she's really good at articulating herself. Uh, so she can, communicate to me really well what what is missing in an illustration um what kids will connect to what moms will connect to and so and i and i listen to her i've learned to listen to her um uh, sometimes my my ideas are too far out there that people might not connect to them and so she was she's able to kind of gently rein me in a little bit and um and then um so right now she's working on uh, another devotional. Our first devotional that we worked on together was Who is Jesus? Uh, 40 Pictures to Share with Your Family. And it's a, a devotional for families, biblical theology. So um, all all, the, all of these stories from Scripture that point us to Christ. And, uh, and so that process, she'll... She'll write, 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 research, 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 uh, and then she'll read her samples to me. And and uh, it's just been such a lovely collaboration to be able to um, go deeper into into the word together, um, to ask questions of each other, to discover uh, the absolute artistry of the Bible and how it's knit together and it's like an archaeological site you you uncover some treasure and then you move that treasure off to the side and underneath is another treasure uh people don't realize how amazing the word of god is uh how interconnected and and uh um and and the way different themes echo over and over and over again and then culminate in christ um it it really does bolster the faith to to see how incredibly intricately crafted the word of god is and and so we we've been able to discover that together in this journey and it's brought us closer together it's it's um it's boosted our individual faith but also our faith as a family so we're we're able to share these these discoveries with our kids that we find in the word and um collaboration uh in a marriage toward the Lord is such a good thing. I love it. And you and Katie are such a great match in that way. Thank you. And I have so, so enjoyed our conversation. Mm. I am fascinated by people like you in the world uh, who have the gifts you have. And there just are not very many, in my view, there are mm. not very many. And so it makes it all the more uh, encouraging and interesting to be able to just hear about what you do. So Thank thanks you. for spending that time with me. Yeah, it's been a joy. 
And just like that, this bonus episode closes out season two of Straight to the Heart. Can you believe it? But season three is coming soon, so it's a good time to look back at the first two seasons and click play on any episodes you may have missed or listen again to your favorites. And please continue to like, share, subscribe, and rate the podcast to help us reach more listeners. We appreciate you, our faithful subscribers, and look forward to seeing you in season three. This is Straight to the Heart.